0: You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish. I want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast because uh, I I go a couple of weeks at a time without really looking at the numbers, and it looks like we are uh, growing ever so slightly, little by little, and that's just exactly the way I like to do it because that means that you guys are telling your fishing buddies about the podcast and that's translating into more listeners which means we're growing a group of people that are like-minded individuals. Everyone that I've met that listens to this podcast they've just turned out to be solid folks. So that's part uh partly because uh I share an audience with other podcasts like the Salty Yak outdoor podcast and the Paddler's Playbook and um just a lot of the guys and gals in the outdoor space in the fishing community in general, are good people. So you guys are awesome. Uh let's talk a little bit of fishing. We have uh almost spring-like conditions out there right now. Water temperatures in the uh high 50s, it's even touching into the 60s during the day. And this beautiful weather we've had this past week is going to trick a lot of these mullet into moving up into some shallow pockets. Now, Sunday, we had a northwest wind blow. It did not blow very hard, but it did lower the water levels quite a bit. And so we've, we're we dealing with super low tides right now, which is par for the course for this time of year. But it's a good... uh These warm temperatures and the low tides are a good thing because... The fish have fewer places to go, and if you can find the bait and find the red fish up shallow, I think we can do pretty good. I've got the next two days, tonight's Wednesday night, fishing the next two days, and tomorrow I'm doing something that I don't get to do very often. It's just oh, probably once or twice a year, the stars align, and I get to fish all day, and so... Barring any kind of work emergency, I plan on fishing all day. From the time the sun comes up, and take a lunch break until the sun comes down. I'm very, very excited about that because I never get to fish the afternoon. Usually off the water by any, somewhere between noon and 2 o'clock. So I'm really excited to fish the evening. In the evening, we're going to have a higher tide. We're going to be on a major from 4.30 to 6.30 money. I am excited about that. So I'm going to recap the trip, uh, the last couple of trips. And I'm also going to talk about two major factors we've dealt with last week, because I think we're going to be dealing with them again, uh, coming pretty quick. So let's talk about freshwater runoff. I cannot remember if I talked about this last week or not, so if I did just forgive me, but uh when it rains as much as it did last week, uh the bayous flood uh and they flood so much that they can even they can cause quite a disparity in your water level back up close to the mouth of these bayous and what it's actually reading it like the Galveston rail bridge so We were dealing with that last week on Thursday when we launched. It was difficult to find clean water. We made a really long run to try to find some clean water because here's the thing. The redfish don't hate brackish water because it turns all that water fresh and brackish. They don't hate fresh water or brackish water. They hate sudden changes. So, If you found a group of redfish in a particular location and then something changes suddenly in their atmosphere, whether it be water temperature, water level, uh, bait hatches, uh, freshwater runoff, the salinity levels, if something changes suddenly, they are gone. They're moving out. And so if you have freshwater runoff in deeper areas the fresh water stays on top the salt water stays below and you can still find fish deep i'm never fishing deep enough to really get that separation i mean i'm i need to go find clean water if i want to do what i do which is sight cast this time of year and chase the redfish in the shallow water so uh just about all year long, no matter what month it is, I'm in about a foot of water. Two or three feet is deep for me. Now, I'm not going to say I never fish those. I, there are pockets and channels and stuff like that that I'll try if things get tough or if the water temperature's really cold. But by and large, uh, I'm so shallow that I can't just go fish uh, an area where I've got fresh on top and salt on bottom. I need to find an area that's clean from freshwater runoff. So that's what we did. First place we went uh, with my buddy Paul and Brad was a prime location. There's a bayou that spills out of it, but the bayou spills out and because of the wind and the way the tide was flowing, it leaves half of this lake salty and the other half is fresh. And I thought that we, we could potentially get on a lot of fish uh, in that area. The conditions were prime. There just weren't any fish over there. We caught a trout and we got a decent look at two redfish and couldn't get them to eat. We spooked them off. And uh, so picked up and ran halfway around the world looking for uh, clean water because everything was just blown out because we had so much rain. We ended up fishing main bay structure and caught two redfish there, we ended the day with two redfish and two trout. It was kind of a grind. But for the conditions we had, I felt good about getting those two redfish in the boat because I'm telling you, there was muddy freshwater runoff everywhere. And so the thing is, when you're dealing with that, you either got to go deep or you got to get away from it all together. And nine times out of 10, I'm just going to get away from it. Uh. So the problem you face, you could say, hey, look, all the all the bayous that spill out are on the north end of the bay. Why not run across and go to the south end of the bay? And you can do that. But here's what I've found. Here are places not to look, okay? Wintertime, I know we've got a warming trend, and that's going to help things out a lot, but we're still in wintertime, and the bait is still doing what wintertime bait does, other than they're going to move up shallow. Uh, this week, which is great, but as far as all the hatches and what's in the water for the fish to eat, it's a normal January, February, uh, deal. They're on mullet and they're on marine worms and whatever else they can dredge up. So places not to look. I was just talking to to Brad and Paul on text message. They went out in Brad's boat. Brad's from, uh, Wyoming. He's down for a month and uh going up and down the coast for a month and he has a drift boat he guides uh in Wyoming and does the uh drift boat uh fly fishing in the streams and rivers so he brought the drift boat down with him and he's taking it out in the bay and he was telling me where they where they kind of pulled along and paddled along the shore, and it was an open... It's kind of an open sand flat. This whole shoreline on the south is just a big open sand flat, and they didn't see a fish. And it it reminded me that, like, that's kind of one of your your things during the winter. Open sand, shallow sand, I should say, shallow sand is not a thing. Uh, You are not going to find very many redfish in consistently shallow sand, unless you have grass, you have a bunch of seagrass growing on the bottom, or you have oyster. Those are the two things that can draw them in. But your best case scenario this time of year is if you find mud and structure in the mud, grass in the mud, oyster in the mud, whatever other kind of structure you could find, rocks, whatever, that's your best bet this time of year. Mud holds the heat uh, better, and even though it's not that cold, it is cooler in the morning. If you wanna find fish in the shallows, mud's your best bet. Uh, in the summertime, you can, you can run around and find some fish on the sand in certain areas, but open, pure open sand in the bay has never panned out for me all that well. Uh, I'm not going to say it. Uh, maybe it's because I don't fish it enough. I'm just saying it. it's never, I've never gone out and slayed them and I have fished it. Uh, I've gone out and fished it in, in the summer and in the, in the winter. And uh, it's a ghost town in the winter, almost all the time in the summer. You can find some fish, but it's usually because there's grass or oyster near the sand. And, so that that's just a little tidbit there of places to go and look. Mud is uh is important this time of year. And man, if you find a a mud some mud in about a foot foot and a half of water with oyster in there, you can uh you can find some fish, especially that it, now that it's warming up. So look for look for those areas uh the next day I had uh, my buddy, Tim. I say my buddy. He he started out as a customer, but uh, I just get along so well with the guy um, that he's, he's kind of become a buddy. Uh, Tim is buying a Sabine, and the goal was for him to get used to pulling one around. And so, lucky me, I got to be on the platform and do some fishing. Well, we... Uh, Got back to this area that's just off of one of the main lakes. It's a little marshy cut and it had just enough water in it to pull. And I thought this would be a good safe place for him to get his feet wet. We'll just pull up in this cove and turn around. But I had been seeing something in the cove. I couldn't tell if it was a fish or not. Slight ab- amount of activity and I thought, well, we'll see when we get up there. Sure enough, is a redfish. We didn't even have a we did not have a rod out yet. I didn't have a rod in my hand. We didn't even have all the rods were still stowed. I was teaching them how to pole uh and like two redfish go past us. So said, so, Well, let's push further up in here. So I get my fishing pole out. I started fly fishing, but uh, conditions were really tight. It was like one of those things where you got a bayou that's, you know, three feet across, a little creek that's three feet across, and uh, it, it was difficult to, uh, to fly fish because your only angle to cast is straight in front of you, which means you're probably going to hook the guy that's pulling you on the back. So I put the fly rod up and went conventional, and we chased a redfish in a, in a little back pond, and he was kind of spooky, and we couldn't get him to eat. And uh, so, that clued me in, though, that they're going to be back up in these marshy pockets. So, when we left there, we went and found another marsh pocket that I knew was holding enough water for us to pull. Got back in there, and here is what we found. And this is so frustrating, but it happens. So, the, the fog was incredible that morning. It was very, very foggy. And visibility because of the fog and the low light was not good. So I would cast up in front of the boat, let's just say 30 feet, 30, 35 feet. I always when I throw when I throw my bait out there, I let it sit for a second, maybe two, and then I start reeling in. I do that because when my bait hits the water, it's almost like it's almost like a cork when it pops it makes that noise. A fish, if a fish is feeding, is going to turn and go, what was that? And he's going to look for it. And I want my bait to still be there when he turns and looks for it. So I I wait, you know, one or two seconds and I start reeling it. Well, I was doing that. And then we would get up to the spot where I had just thrown my bait and we'd spook a fish that was laying in the mud asleep. And we did that all morning. Uh, I think we probably spooked 15 fish that way could not get one to eat couldn't even couldn't get one to do anything until we about ran it over so that was annoying i caught one trout and i caught it in deep water cuz there was a flat that we pulled across that drops off into deep water because this time of year any shallow water i'm in i'm close to deep water because i think those fish are sliding on and sliding off right and uh I went to a flat that i had found redfish on the week before not a soul was there dropped off in a deep water caught a 20 inch trout didn't even take a picture of the slimy thing just threw it back and um and then we bounced around a few more places but that was the only fish we caught that day uh because all the redfish were just spooked out they just were laying in the mud not doing nothing not eating you throw right in front of them and uh i threw and i had another one threw right where he was pulled up on him, saw the fish a foot off the bow of the boat, right where I had just casted, lifted my rod to drop the bait in front of his face, and he spooked off. So, it just it just is that way sometimes. Uh, it is what it is. So, tomorrow, as we are exploring, um, the goal tomorrow is to obviously catch redfish, but I want to cover some ground tomorrow. I want to look in lots of different kinds of places because the goal is to not just find, uh, you know, 10 or 15 fish. The goal is to find 50 to a hundred fish. I want to go find them stacked up somewhere. And I think we have conditions that are ripe for that to happen. Uh, so I'll let you guys know how it goes. We're gonna we're gonna really bear down and cover some water. Uh update on the Baytown house. If you follow me on the TikToks, I posted an update. I've got sheetrock in the house, and I'm building the fence that goes around the back of the house. And I've got uh cabinets being put in, and paint is gonna happen either late this week or early next week, and then, man, we're going to be off to the races. Once I get the paint done, uh, I'll start the electrical trim out, and then we'll do flooring, and I'll finish the fence, clean the yard up, uh, button everything up, and put a for sale sign in front of that thing. So we are getting close. I'm hoping by the end of February we're done because there's a lot of little things like putting blinds up, putting cabinet... uh, drawer pulls on, uh, door knobs. I got to put the toilet in. I got to put the vanity in. I got to trim out the plumbing and electrical, all that stuff. So it's a lot of me. My contractor is going to be kind of done at that point. Now it'll just be me putting the finishing touches on it. So that is good. I'm glad to be rid of that thing. The only good thing that that, uh, house will accomplish me is, uh, that I will show a gigantic loss on my taxes. And so that can only help. Other than that, that's about all that house has been good for. I'm just going to lick my wounds and carry on. Go try something else. Hopefully make uh, a little bit of money on the next one. But that's okay. I learned a lot on this one. Let's talk about a navigational hazard real quick. Just as a PSA for folks. Everybody who uh, listens to this podcast should know. uh, If you don't, I'll tell you. uh, This is a Galveston Bay specific podcast uh, even more specific I spend 95 percent of my time in West Galveston Bay and so while all of the tactics not all but a lot of the tactics and things that I'm talking about are just true of redfish um, where where we may part on what works and what doesn't would be like in places that have really huge tide swings, some of the stuff that I'm talking about uh, for redfish won't be the case because redfish act different when you have that big of a tide swing. But by and large, a lot of it's the same. Uh, I say all that to say uh, there is a local navigational hazard that I want to let everybody know about. It's been a lot on a lot of the fishing uh, Facebook pages and stuff, and so that's cool. But we got to get the word out. Uh, There's dredge pipe that is being laid, uh, so the tail end of it is back in the back of Pierce's Marsh, and then it runs out across the mouth of Pierce's Marsh where it meets the diversionary, and then that pipe goes out across Jones Bay, skips over the ICW, or under the ICW, and then goes out towards the cut that you would take to go to the South shoreline near like Sweetwater and South Deer Island. So be careful because they are not good at marking that stuff. Uh, it's maybe the best. It's the best marking I've seen is around the mouth of Pierce's Marsh. They've done a decent job there. The rest of it isn't marked very good at all. It's not, a safe situation if you don't know it's there, uh you can get in some big trouble. uh thank God the tide is low enough to where it's laid the pipe out visibly to where we can kind of see it in most places. But if we catch a little higher tide, it's gonna become a real problem for folks so if you leave uh Highland Bayou around Lewis's Bay camp, Bayou Vista all that, if you leave that area and are used to hugging the shoreline and making your way over to Harbor Walk that way, don't do it. You can't do it uh, right now. You have to go out from Jones. You have to go out from Highland Bayou to the middle of Jones and catch that uh, that uh, deep canal that's out in the middle, and it shoots you straight out into the ICW through the spoil banks. So that's a word of caution. Don't hit that dredge pipe. It's uh, You will not win. There's a local guide uh, out of Bayou Vista. I was talking to him on Facebook about it. He he busted his lower unit pretty bad. So pay attention to that and be safe out there. Uh, Let's get to our Bible tidbit. Uh, This is a little shorter episode than normal. That's because I put two out this week and... um, we just hadn't caught a whole lot of fish, to be honest with you. It's been tough. I'm hoping that tomorrow changes that. Uh, Chris and I are going. We're going to trade it out on the platform, probably do some fly fishing. And so just looking forward to getting a a fly in front of a fish's face. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, Bible tidbit, there's two stories I've talked about in the past that I'm going to draw from both of those. And... uh. The reason I'm going to do that is because I listen to, you guys know I listen to the Bear Grease podcast. I love the Bear Grease podcast. I love Clay Newcomb. I think he's a great dude. He had a podcast that you should go listen to. It was fantastic. Uh, It was about a guy named Donnie who worked on a military base. He worked at the hunting store on the military base, and there was a large 203 inch uh, whitetail buck just a monster that had been frequenting the base okay there were, the, the base is a, a large chunk of land it's not all military uh, but the military base is owned by you know it owns all that land and that land is a no hunting area and uh, he had seen this buck over and over he ends up killing the buck uh, during hunting season during bow season with his bow but on military-based property, which is not legal. So he broke the law. And the story is, I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's a fascinating story. Uh, and just all that happened to him after uh, he did that and his life for the next decade. Fascinating story. I thought Clay did a great job of handling it. But uh, what struck me about his story is that this guy Donnie was a good dude by all accounts. like A law-abiding... Uh, citizen that was a normal hunter that did things the right way uh never went outside of his outside of his uh you know comfort zone to try to break the law on purpose and he just got uh he he could not overcome the temptation uh at this certain point he'd just seen the buck so many times a perfect scenario laid out in front of him and he He couldn't not eat that apple. And so it's so, that is so important for us to talk about. And the Bible talks about it quite a bit. So, in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter three, uh, Cain and Abel both bring an offering to the Lord. God is pleased with Abel's offering and not pleased with Cain's offering. And the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us why, but it alludes to the fact that Abel brought his first and best as an offering and Cain brought like the leftovers, right? The like, did not bring his first and best to God. So God didn't accept his offering, Cain, uh, Cain was mad about that. And in response to Cain's anger, God tells him, Why are you angry? Like if you this is like verse two and three of uh chapter four, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but he says, like, why are you angry? If if you do the right thing, it'll go well with you. And he said, If you don't, sin is crouching at the door, waiting for you. It's desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Now that verse is very familiar because God said the same thing to Eve one chapter earlier. And he says "When to Eve, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. The, in other translations, and and if you break down the most literal way you can translate that, it would be that Your desire is to rule over your husband, but he will rule over you, right? We've talked about that verse before. Uh, And you can see that playing out in society as we speak. The woman wanted to rule the roost, right? Uh, That's another, that's a whole sermon I, I, I could do later. So he tells the same thing to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to rule over you, but you must rule over it. Cain doesn't do that. Uh, and he murders his brother, okay uh Cain is angry and frustrated, and he's probably tired. This is after the fall. His parents have eaten the forbidden fruit and they've been cast out of the garden and they are working the land and raising livestock and hunting and doing whatever they do and It is wearisome, hard work, and Cain is tired and he does what he thinks is going to be good enough, and it's not. And he gets mad about it and commits an even more heinous sin. There's a story that I've talked about before in First Kings. It's in First Kings chapter uh, 13. It's a man of God from Judah, and he goes and prophesies against King Jeroboam. And then he does everything God asked him to do. God told him, don't eat or drink in the place that that you're going and don't come back the same way that you went. And this other prophet finds him underneath a tree, sitting underneath a tree. He's tired, weary from his journey. And the prophet lies to him and tells him that he received a word from God and that that word from God said that he should come. and. Eat at his house and stay with him. Well, Prophet believes him. And uh I've told you this story before. He gets up the next morning and is killed on the road by a lion. Lion maims his body and kills him and leaves his donkey standing there perfectly fine. So strange story you can find it in first Kings chapter 13. Uh the reason that's relevant is that he was sitting underneath a tree, he was tired. And I don't know why this uh this just struck home for me, but after listening to the story on the Bear Grease podcast, and then both of those uh biblical narratives popped up just in my in my universe this week. Uh the kids were learning about uh Cain and Abel at school, and uh somebody was uh asking me about that that story in First Kings, and it just made me wanna say to you guys. Like, hey, we're thirty days in to the new year. This is round about that time where everyone's resolutions uh go by the wayside, and people realize like it's back to it's back to the ordinary and you're worn out from work and you're you're just getting to that place where you're weary again, you're tired, and when you do that, you get to that place that's when you can do things that are uncharacteristic of yourself. That's when you can make the kind of mistake that you regret for years. You know, you had a rough family time around the holidays, and uh, you and your wife had just been at each other's throats for the last month, and you're just sick of it. And there's, there's a mistake crouching at your door. There's sin crouching at your door. And so... My advice to you is uh, if, if that sin is crouching at your workplace, if it's, if it's crouching at uh, some addiction you tend to lean towards, if it, wherever it's crouching, look at it square in the face, talk to somebody about it. Uh, if you've got issues with your boss at work, uh, if you've got issues with your wife, a family member, if you're worn out and you need a break, uh, I know friends and family that are just like they're ate up with the with the kids sports thing. They're just all in on. They got nine thousand sports things uh, every Saturday, and they're they're running the roads during the week and working late and all this stuff. Like, take a breath. God intended for us to have a day of rest. You need to cancel some plans and take a breather. Read your Bible. Get some sleep. Put that, put that drink down. You know, whatever that thing is that you that you you grab a hold of as a crutch, put it down. Lean into God's word and prayer, and tell somebody that you're close to that you're struggling with something. I've seen people ruin their lives, or several years of their life uh their life because they wore themselves thin and in their wearied state they said yes to something they normally would have said no to and they they wear that forever. And I'm not I know it sounds like I'm because I mentioned the wife thing, it sounds like I'm talking about adultery. And I am for some people, but for other people it's uh they they drank themselves uh to death. Uh for other people it's uh they threw away a career uh that they had a great career and they threw it away because they made an unethical decision. So if that's you, that's just just my just my little call to go, "Hey, if you don't have anybody to reach out to about that, uh email me. I read every email I get sent by you guys and I respond to every one of them. Now it may take me a few days. Because I've got employees ringing me on the phone, and I've got uh, contractors ringing me, and I've got I'm I'm busy, but I will take the time to sit down and read your email and respond to you, and uh, I'm not too busy uh, to to be gotten a hold of. So uh, you can reach me at empty stringers at gmail. Uh, My Instagram is empty underscore stringers. I'm on the TikToks at. Empty stringers, and we are coming up on the spring. You can go to com. That's two T's in Matt, two R's in Parish, and you can both book a trip to fish with me. You can also click the holiday house link up there at the top. And it takes you straight to the Airbnb link to book my place in Bay Vista. You can take a look at the pictures, see what it's all about. Come stay a night. Come book me uh, for a trip while you're down. I can fish too comfortably out of the skiff. I would love to have you out on on the boat. Do that. Uh, also, in other news, uh, I had a meeting with uh, Jacob Sumney of Caden Lures. And I like what he's putting out. Uh, he He's a small business owner. The guy is a, an electrician by day. He's a lineman. And uh, so I have a sweet spot for that uh, because I was in the le- electrical industry for so long. And um, Jacob's raising two young kids, or he's got one and he's got another one on the way. And uh, he's burning the candle at both ends. The guy's a hard worker and uh, he's putting out a good product and he's developing a new product that I'm not allowed to talk about. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about right now. But uh that new product is what sold me on uh partnering up with him because I got to see what went into making it. I got to see it uh in like a demo video. I'm very excited about it, about it uh to come out because I think it's something I'll be fishing quite a lot of and um So I say that to tell you that, uh, I'm not getting paid to talk about his product, but I am getting a discount, uh, when I buy his products. So I think it's only fair that you know that, that I'm, I'm getting a discount when I talk about, uh, something like that. So, uh, I will be talking about the Kaden Lures because I will be using some of them. I don't talk about anything I don't use, and if it's something that I just don't want to use, uh... I am not going to talk about it. Uh, so there's that. If uh if you are the kind of guy that's going to go throw hard baits, which I admittedly don't throw very often, but when I do, I throw Kevin's outside custom painted lures. Because why would you throw anything ordinary? Just check them out. They're at Fish Sticks. You can find Kevin on Kevin's Outside YouTube uh the dude makes a great product and if i'm going to throw a hard bait which there's a little spot that we're going to in the morning because i can't get it out of my mind i have to go fish this spot because uh it's a deep water spot which is not normal for me but after getting my rear end kicked uh a couple weeks ago when i needed a deep water spot and i just couldn't put the puzzle together I've decided first thing in the morning, we're going to a deep water spot and we're going to give it about an hour to see if we can uh, pull a fish out of it. And I might throw with these warm water temps and this deep water spot, I'm probably going to throw a crankbait uh, that Kevin gave me. So I'll let you know how that goes, but you should check them out. They're at fish sticks. Uh, Go buy one or order one off his website. Uh, Other than that, I hope that you guys have a great week. I hope that you've had a chance to get out and fish with this weather the way it is. It's not going to last. We've got another cold snap headed our way from the weather guessers. Sounds like it's going to be around Valentine's Day and could last a little bit longer than this last one did. So get out and make hay while the sun shines if you can. Call in sick and go get out on the water. Fishing is not going to be amazing, but... Uh, a day on the water is better than one at the office, right? Y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you later.